It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt. Where we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on the meters. So, Tony, this is one of our first shows that we're going to be actually doing because we got a suggestion from one of our listeners. That's right. Uh, Paul Marfleet set up some nice little email a little bit asking. He said, uh, I'd suggest you guys cover the meters because they're definitely underrated and influential band with a great back catalog who are deserving of wider attention. I, you know, that's hard to argue with that. Yeah, I, I agree with Miss, Miss, what is it, Paul? Paul. His name Paul? Yeah. I Paul. agree with Paul 100%. Yeah, and I think the thing that, you know, we came back at, you know, I was like, well, why haven't we done it? And, you know, there's some bands that we think are known by everyone because we we are just think that we're in awe of them. They're like, well, everyone's got to know about the meters because, you know, they have, you have great songs. They have an inimitable style that blends like funk and New Orleans jazz and... I mean, it just it blends so many different wonderful types of um, music, and it's still they make they make it their own. But I, you know, I asked my brother, I'm like, should we do a show of the meters? And he was just like, who's the meters? I'm like, all right. Wow. Well, he's not. He, you know, he's not. He doesn't have as much of a zest for music as I do. So it was for me. It's it's a good test because he loves our shows because it introduces them into. uh, new bands, although he listens to the the podcast and doesn't listen to the playlist, which is kind of like <laughs> eating the bread, not eating the meat in the sandwich. But that's fine. Yeah, that's but, right. So the meters. When have you? What did you first become aware of this uh, this band? Um, when I was working at Big Beat Records, uh, when I, in the early '90s, right out of college, um, there was a guy that worked with us, Rob Tulo. He worked at Big Beat, but he was also a writer for The Source magazine. Remember The Source, the oh, hip-hop yeah. magazine? Yeah, yeah. And uh, one day he was like, come come by my house. Uh, we'll get high and we'll go out or whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. I went by his apartment. He lived in the East Village. And we got high and he goes, yo, you ever heard of the meters? I'm like, eh, not really. And he put on the Funky Dream two CD set. Uh, so it was basically a best, you know, a best of, but it was a lot of music. It was like, you know, 40 songs. So it went right through, you know, the sophisticated, uh, sissy, sissy right. strut all the way right. down the line into the more, um, like the rejuvenation period, the more hard funk stuff. So, and he played that and if, I mean, I was high as hell in his apartment, but, <laughs> uh, it was a, re- it was a revelation. I know I've said this many times on the show that this was revelatory and this was revel, but it really was. I was like, I, how did I never hear about this? And then I started digging deeper and like really, like I didn't know they were from New Orleans. I didn't make the connection between the Neville brothers and, yeah. <laughs> and the meters. So it, like it all the all the, you know, it was like little points connecting, like little synapses connecting, and and I, and I was and I was obsessed. And I even turned my brother, my little brother Carlos, on to them. 
I was like, have you ever heard of this band? And at the time, my brother was like listening to like Ride exclusively. Like he was like obsessed with the band Ride. And I turned him on to it and then he went and bought the CD the next day. So it, it, they're, a, they're a magical band, uh, you know, just and it was just really it was such a organ like organic way to get turned on to him just somebody playing it for me yeah it's I, it's funny because i had the same thing too it's like i never i heard i knew of the neville brothers because my my parents would played a couple neville brothers albums i don't really recall which ones off the top of my head but it wasn't until like i was working at in the early 90s with, at this place called the great american music hall in san francisco this great place to work at but also an amazing place to see a show um and, I agree. That is a great venue. Yeah, that's just yeah, um, great venue. Uh, so, uh, what was the benefits of the job? Was that we got to see all these great bands because they had a very uh, diverse and varied um, uh, slate of uh, mu music. You'd have punk one night, and you have folk, and then you would have it would just go all over the place. But one of the bands that played was uh, Zigaboo and uh, Leo Nussantelli uh, playing. And they came on and played Fire, like, I think they started with Fire on the Bayou, and I was like, what in the fuck is this? And my friend was like, dude, it's the meters. I'm like, yeah, but what, what do these do? These guys play in the meters? And they're like, yeah, those, that's the drummer and that's the guitarist. And it was like one of those things where I was kind of like half red-faced because, you know, you work at, at a place where they do music and you, gotta, you have a lot of music heads, so you're just like constantly like, oh, you've never heard of, you know, um, Robert Jr. Lockwood, um, but it was something that I, I mean, I, it was one of those shows where obviously because people were thrashing, I got to watch a lot of it and not have to break up any fights or anything, and it was just uh, the tightness, like they were tight, but when I started getting into the albums, and I got, I think not long after I got fired to buy you, like this, there's a, a looseness to their vibe, but there's a super tightness in their playing. I mean, the the, the, the grooves and how they kind of infuse the New Orleans scene. Because at that point, like I had only been listening to, um, like I listened to Professor Longhair and Dr. John, and you know a little bit of um, that, that. Basically, that type, that was my exposure to it. But I mean, this kind of like it's one of those. Like you were saying, like it kind of opens up a new world for you, because like you, like that album, I uh, and I started and I bought like subsequently bought a lot of their albums after that. But it's you know that kind of that first time you remember hearing their music, and it's so unlike anything. And I mean, you know, let's look at their history a little bit. I believe Meter started in '65, and. Uh, and I think it's, it, what I recall, it's like they, it was Zigaroo, Leo Nussantelli, Art Neville, and George Porter. George so Porter, I, yeah. And then, and then later, um, I'm trying to think who else joined, but I don't know. Was the, this I, is Cyril joined later, right? Cyril joined, yeah. yeah. Art, Art was one of the original members, right? His brother? Right. Right. Yeah. And they um, they became the house band for the another person that we should maybe talk about sometime, uh, Alan Chasson. That's right. Who is not understating this uh, like a beast in not just the music world, but the New Orleans music world, jazz and pop. Um, and so they kind of became the house band with them. And then they kind of built off of that 
uh, until they started doing, you know, getting Sissy Strut and everything in the latter years. But I mean, they've been around a long time um, and been a band that has had, I mean, I remember someone having a tape, and this is before it came out, which it came out later of, you know, that the meters played it something for Paul, Mac Paul McCartney. Yeah, it was the uh, record release party for Venus and Mars, the album. They did it on the Queen Mary in Long Beach. Oh, right, right, uh, right, right. That, and, so, and, that, and that show, I guess uh, Mick Jagger was in, in the audience and loved them so much that I guess he took them on tour. I guess they, uh, he, uh, the Stones took uh, the meters on tour with them in 75 in the States and 76 in Europe. Um, and probably led to a lot of the session work that they did um, when they weren't making their own records. They did a lot of session work for um, for Robert Palmer, uh, LaBelle, uh, LaBelle uh, Dr. John, John, right, Dr. John, yeah, Dr. Yeah. John, and all that stuff. So it's like, so yeah, they they, they yeah they started out as uh, as Toussaint's house band, and then and then made their own records and then played on other people's records. I guess when Toussaint was in, in, in demand in the seventies too, to produce. Right. So right. they, he would just bring them on as the house band, you know, it's like, Oh, I got this thing right here already. So you want and Toussaint song, would yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Toussaint would also write song. Like a lot of the people that would work with him would either, he'd either write for them or they would cover one of his songs and, or two of his songs or whatever. So yeah, it was quite a, and it's just like that syncopated vibe of there, the syncopated sort of like second line, right, 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 sound. Like that is so, that is so specific. That is such a New Orleans thing, man. You that it's it's almost it's amazing. It's like you can't it's it can't you. I mean, yeah, there's people in France that might play music that might try to replicate it, but only like you know, only like people from New Orleans. To make that really and make it sound legit. funny we talk about we often talk about the bands that were or, and musicians who were studio musicians but also um, put out their own stuff and sometimes that line can they couldn't ever cross that line it's like it just kind of one blood into the other I mean the meters though I can't it's not like uh, Niles Rogers and Chic, when they would go play on the back like I could hear their influence on stuff like the meters I, I can I mean, if you told me the meters play with it, you're like, yeah, that sounds like the meters. But they would, they could fall into the background nicely as a background band. But it was their turn to step up on their own stuff. 
they, I mean, they put something that was definitively their own stamp on it. And, you know, that's, that's to have that kind of distinction, distinctive sound, but also like be able to subvert it a little bit so it doesn't really overtake something in the studio is, you know, that's, those guys are, know how to use their tools, you know, how, know how to wield their axes. Yeah, the the playlist that I made. I, and by the way, that is my the, my favorite playlist I've made out of any of the artists that we've done the sixteen or seventeen that we've really? done so far. That is my favorite playlist, and here's why. It's very simple. Those first like five records, which I want to, I think it's five. Um, the first five records. Right, so like basically. Um, everything up until Cabbage Alley. Right. So I think that's five albums. Basically, every fucking song on all five of those records is amazing. Right. And yeah, there's, there'll be a shitty cover of something here and there, like, you know, Misty or some, whatever, some bullshit <laughs> cover. But, but, uh, but other than that, it's so, it's so on the money, so bulletproof. And and that's the thing. It's like those albums are untouchable. Those first five or six albums are untouchable. And that's the that's the thing. It's like if I can make a playlist where I just say, look at the first five albums of an artist <laughs> and say, I'm gonna basically going to put every single song on here on this playlist. That that shows you something right that I, I don't have to sit there and try to figure it out and sift through it. It's like, yeah, all these songs are good. And like that's that's their thing and and the great thing about them is they seamlessly went from sort of a mostly instrumental band into some into some songs with with singing on it and it's still like sometimes like that's a reach for bands and right. like in in their case it wasn't it's just still fucking good and funky and soulful and 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 like yeah and then and i i, I we can't we cannot um, um, you know, sort of diminish the fact that Alan Toussaint's involvement really helped them a lot. Because, like, I mean, that soul, that deep soulfulness, that meaning. Yeah, I feel like he he injected that in them, you know, and uh, through the songwriting and, and stuff, and really with it's if they're they're just so inspiring like i said when i first heard that that cd the funky dream the two cd set right. that i think was on charlie records on the english label that reissued a lot of their stuff in europe um like it just it's just such an um yeah it was such an influence for me i, I was like like it just changed the way i looked at music well you I, know like right. all, all music all music everything yeah and i think that I agree with you because one of the, I mean, I would say everything up to and you know anything, everything after fire on the Bayou, like Trick Bag isn't doesn't have a lot of good stuff on it. Nah, but, it's funny. I bought that recently on vinyl because it was cheap. I think I bought like an eleven dollar copy, which is actually quite cheap because meter records are, meters records are expensive now. Yeah. Originals. Uh, it has a couple decent songs on it, but they're like they're kind of like. They could be throwaways compared to those first five albums, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, you mentioned the uh, covers because they do do they do covers do covers. I think my favorite cover of theirs is that uh, the, the the cover that they do of the Russ Ballard song of the Argent song uh, "Liar" that's on Fire of the Bayou, dude. It's that's just that song rips. 
yeah. from beginning yeah. to end. And it's, it's not a short song. It's like a five-minute song, and they just they just play the shit out of it. Uh, I'm gonna go back and listen to that song again. I want to really get a, a feel a feel for you that. You know what? I, I slipped on a live version on the Queen Mary that that on the playlist. I think it's the last oh, thing on okay. the playlist. I don't like it as much as I like the studio version of it because the studio uh -huh. version of it is just is tight. And I've been go and to be honest with you, I've been fighting back and forth with myself the last week. Like, dude, just go put the studio version on there I'm do like, it do it but yeah you know but it's like the, <laughs> but i was like what we should have a live something live on there too so because they are they were a really good live band um but. shit i wish i could train i wish i could find the cassette a friend of mine this guy john paris who was a publicist uh i went to college with him he was uh tiny tim's publicist and oh, but man. then he was also a publicist at earache so he was napalm death and anal cunts publicist as well it's very bizarre <laughs> uh bizarre uh, uh um, career for him but he had at his work he worked at an office where i helped him stuff envelopes for a few months when he needed extra help um he had a live cassette of the meters playing at the bottom line around right up the at when they released fire on the bayou oh wow dude that 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 show it, and that um, it, 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 they open the set with fire in the body and it's like this real build up you know boom 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 boom, boom yeah just oh, and, it, wow. and it's so amazing I, I don't know where that cassette went I feel like a schmuck for losing it but <laughs> that that literally I listened to that set on that cassette I, I can't tell you hundreds and hundreds of times because it was so spot on and it was probably them night let's see 76 maybe yeah, 76, yeah, 76 77 it was them at the height of their powers because i think they sort of broke up after that yeah where like, the neville brothers yeah the neville like, brothers left off. yeah which is funny because yeah. they, they, it kind of has a weird little history because they kind of broke up and then they kind of came back in the 80s and kind of but they renamed the band um the funky meters funky meters yeah yeah who I, I think that's when we both saw them like when you saw them at the great american right. i saw them at this sort of like rootsy blues club on 22nd Street between 5th and 6th in like sort of Chelsea neighborhood. I can't, don't ask me the name of the club. I can't remember right now, but I saw them in there. I just remember there being a huge pillar in the middle of the dance floor in front of them that was always a fucking sight line nightmare. But uh, they were real, and they were really good. That was with Leo and with um, Z, uh, what's it called? Zigaboo. Zigaboo. Yeah. So it was like, they were incredible. They were incredible. So, yeah, they, you know, they're another band like they kind of had a little bit of a you know, rough history with, you know, members coming and going. And then they had the brother, they had the uh, the Neville brothers and yeah, well, like, I think like that, any other band, right? Yeah. And I think like the thing that, you know, Paul sent in his email is like they have an impressive back catalog, but they don't, they never really got, you know, a band of that kind of accomplishment uh, never really cut through. Um, you know, that, and let, you know, you never really like, how, how can I put this about the meters? The meters are a band like anytime it's not really super discussed and it is something when you, when music's on the top of the mind in term, in terms of like even funk music, like these guys are like probably on the, the, you know, could be on the, the Mount Rushmore of funk, 
But, yeah, right next to James Brown. Next right. To Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I, told one hundred percent. One hundred. They should be there. On that Mount Rushmore funk, they should be there. But they never. You you hear Bootsy. You hear James Brown. You hear yeah, yeah. Funkadelic. You hear. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go down the list, and these guys are just as much of a powerhouse. And I always, you know, that was the thing when I was reading Paul's email. I was like, why isn't aren't why aren't they as well known, or why isn't it? Because they 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 had the backing of a label. They had enough, you know, exposure in terms of. You know, people knowing who who the, you know maybe you know the you know the people in their band. Um, I, I you know it's one of those things that where I was I, I was trying to explain like even with my brother I was like well why doesn't he know who he is he knows who the Neville brothers are he does like he loves Doc, he likes Dr. John a lot uh, Alan Toussaint he doesn't know but you know it's like there's a, enough people who I know that. You know, I put I used to put the meters on mixed CDs, mixtapes, and that would always be one like, who are these guys? You know, who is that? Who's that third song? And I'm like, oh, that's meters. Um, and I think that that's one of those bands that I don't, you know, it could have been timing. It could have been just like because they were trying to infuse both funk and New Orleans music and a little bit of jazz. And I don't know. Um, you know, you, you look at their the kind of animosity is going in the band. Who knows why that was? why that was they seem to have a tight playing style but it could have been you know after 10 years of playing and not really you know the best thing they could do is play on a boat show for paul mccartney i don't know yeah i don't i don't know i mean i'm not gonna lie i like that they've always been my little secret you know right. and that's that's the withholding record collector part of my personality <laughs> but uh but it, but it's also like I kind of understand why they weren't bigger. Like I said, they were sort of predominantly uh, an instrumental band, and that never really works to, True. you know, you know. So um, you know, maybe maybe it worked for Chuck Mangione, but it doesn't didn't really work for them. Um, but I, I don't know. It it doesn't matter. I, they're just they're amazing. They're those like I said, first five six records are amazing. Uh, live, live stuff that I've heard over the years is really good. I, I'm lucky. We're both lucky. We got to see them, some version of them, which right. was cool. And I look at them as like a another like sort of like a cornerstone of music, like a Booker T and the MGs, just this like solid. Yeah, like the Barcase. Uh, yeah, or the Barcase, just this solid and unmovable force that you can't you can't clown on the meters. The meters are the meters, you yeah. know and. And honestly, uh, what's his name died last year? Art Neville. That yeah. really, and then Alan Toussaint died a few years before him, and that right. shit made me real sad, man. Because, uh, you know, on a personal level, it made me sad. But it, on a musical level, it's like that's like a little light. You know, it's one more light that gets extinguished. You know what I mean? Like that that light. Because, like, I, I mean, I'm not trying to say that there's no new people making good music or interesting music or interesting art, but those are like some bright lights you know and like when they get taken out it's like well, the world's a little darker for it but you look on the other side of that coin and you can make a playlist that you, you know, yeah. like even the playlist gave you an amount of months of joy and i and i'll be honest with you too i've listened to this playlist more than i've listened to anyone because and not because of, like i was trying to crack a code which, which i was trying to do with uh, gaber 
but like mm. this one I was like I just love listening to it and listen to it straight through shuffle you know from the back to the beginning you know it just it, it didn't matter it was just always just slapped a smile on my face and uh, I guess we have to thank Paul for that because we you know this wasn't even on our list of bands to do and no. uh, you know, it, it, it just, this gave us both an amount, immense amount of joy just to listen to it and kind of dissect their history again. Um, it, made, it made me think that we should add Thin Lizzy back on our list. Well, Thin Lizzy, Thin Lizzy's on our, our <laughs> is, is permanently on our, both of our lists. It hasn't been on the <laughs> auto-reverse list, though. <laughs> I listen, but, I, it made me, but it made me think that. It made yeah. me think, like, like, yeah, it might seem some things like the meters and then Lizzie might seem obvious in our in our heads. You know right? what we could do, but not maybe not everyone's heads. We could yeah, because we could just construct like you know, uh, Marilyn from uh, Saskatchewan gave us an email said that she wanted us to dissect then Lizzie. So, you know, we weren't thinking about it, but since Marilyn asked for it, so we could we could kind of bring up that construct too you know we're just yeah 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 our, our or we could just fans. or we could just make up people's names from you know we could get have kenny from uh moose jaw or uh that's what i was or, doing uh, dude <laughs> that's that's what i said that's exactly what i'm saying okay sorry i was slow on the uptake on that one. i think i think i was mumbling what, what i was trying to say i was so i was so happy so, with my little idea that i didn't get it out slow, right. slow on the uptake on that slow, one but yes I, it's a good idea yeah but uh, yeah, so see if you send us an e email at autoreversepod at gmail.com, there's a great chance, almost a 95% chance that we'll cover <laughs> that material. So thanks again to Paul, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right, peace. Thank mm -hmm. you.